And now for an episode of Knuckleheads in Isolation, Drinking Black Coffee. Good morning, sunshine. Howdy. This is like day 747 or something like that. I know, it's all rolling together. I I was going to post today, you know, happy uh, March, like, 48th or whatever, but I can't do math as we learned yesterday because I was trying to remember how long I had known Aaron Ledford and uh, y'all, y'all decided that I do not math very well. Um, but uh, so I couldn't figure hey, I don't, out. I don't know if you've are. seen the video, but there, there's a video out there of a news station every morning that has this segment called <laughs> yes. what day is it? And, <laughs> gotcha. and they have like super dramatic music and it goes to like the, the weatherman and he just stands there. It's Monday. <laughs> That's yeah. it. We we need that. So I, genius. Yeah. It, instead of our live stream, I feel like it would be far better for my my people instead of preaching the gospel, just to remind them what day it is. Like I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go live every morning and say, Hey, it's Monday. Or I could really mess with them and be like, Hey, it's Tuesday. Uh, oh. actually it is Tuesday. No. It's Wednesday. No, today what day is, is Wednesday, Matt. Okay, good. We're good. <laughs> hey, enough of this. We have the uh, the one, the only Dr. Madison Grace. He is uh, under the tutelage of uh, Dr. Stephen Ecker at uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary for his uh, his dress, uh, his outfits, and so forth. Uh, and so that's a that's a wonderful blessing to to have <laughs> the overflow of that, the wisdom from him uh, going through Dr. Grace to us this morning. Dr. Grace, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me this morning. Um, I'm glad to see that Dr. Ecker is here in spirit as well. He, he is. Uh, not, I guess I'm the closest one in terms of loud colors, uh, but it probably isn't what he would wear uh, a orange hoodie. It's probably going to be more of an orange jumpsuit or track suit or something like that, uh, yeah. maybe with some orange... Uh, uh, Air Jordans or something, but uh, but speaking of orange, behind me, right? Those those that are watching, we have my Whataburger boots and my Whataburger Converse uh, because you are a uh, an apologist for Whataburger. Yeah, this is this is true. Um, I'm not a native Texan, but I've been here since 2003. Um, and, and in that time, I discovered the, the joy and pleasure of Whataburger, which is a Texas treasure, officially recognized yeah. as such. And any good Texan knows that they have to go to Whataburger. We have this um, growing incursion of Californians coming to Texas and bringing in and out, which uh, in and out hater, but that whole debate between which is better in and out or Whataburger just makes me feel like I'm. I'm uh, betraying my uh, now adopted state when I choose the outsider over Whataburger. <laughs> okay. Here, Love Whataburger. Here's my question then. If, uh, if, if, if you could assign a church history theologian from the ages to Whataburger and a church theologian from the ages to In-N-Out, who would you choose? Who would be the Whataburger of church theologians in the in and out of church theologians? Oh wow, that's a that's a difficult that's, that's a difficult question um, because we're all going to pick people that that are kind of close to us. Yeah. Um, I definitely would not pick a heretic for In and Out because, I, <laughs> like I said, I don't hate In and Out. Uh, for all you people out there, it's like oh. 
Dr. Grace is a heretic now because he, he doesn't love in and out like I do. Um, I, I think, I think for me that, uh, let's just kind of go with, we could put something like Charles Spurgeon with Whataburger. I think we all can, can agree with that. I'll go with and, that. and then put, and because I'm completely making this up off the top of my head, right? And, so, <laughs> and, and then put someone like, um, uh, within it now, someone like Charles Wesley, right? Okay. So okay. not exactly in our camp, but- But, but um, not Arius either. So, so you're not like- this. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's getting punched in the face today, Kyle. Right. And, and if I could put a musician, I'm going to throw this to Kyle too. If I could put a musician, I would say that Whataburger uh, would be the, the Johnny Cash and an uh, in and out would be the Florida Georgia line. That would be my, wow. my you, deep you theological. Have, you, wow. Yeah. What, what would you say, Kyle? So, so Matt, what you are saying is that you are an in and out hater. Is, yes. So I've, yeah. I've, I've actually, I've never had in and out, believe it or not. I've, I've yet to, I've yet to uh, even sample. The, the other so so i can't so um, we so we so, go so let's just say we'll put we'll put adrian rogers whataburger and and i have no i have no opinion on, on there, uh, there you go yeah <laughs> yes. in and out yet. we we go in two different directions here from new mexico as we go towards california on spring break things like that which obviously didn't happen this year uh that's when we enter into in and out territory when we go towards texas to go home for seminars or uh, visiting family. That's of course, Whataburger, uh, area. And of course they have both, but, uh, we, we make a stop on the way in Abilene on the way there and on the way back and have it. And then we usually have breakfast one morning, uh, there when, when we're there. And then when we go to California, we always make a pit stop. It's, I think it's in Arizona, our first stop and we do get in and out. And I usually make a live video of me eating it and uh, complaining about it and uh, spreading the gospel <laughs> of Whataburger. Uh, but, but yes, they, they are good burgers. I, I just need like 10 of the In-N-Out burgers to get full and only one of the Whataburger. <laughs> so what I learned though, is that not all Whataburgers are the same. I, that is true, Kyle. So, so here in New Mexico, Whataburger, and, and even like, like the West Texas Whataburgers, the green chili double is a staple, okay? Green chili double. And so a couple of years ago, we were uh, with, with my wife's parents in, uh, for Thanksgiving in South Padre Island, and we got there late. And so, I mean, Whataburger was about the only thing still open. And, and so we walk in, we're tired. I didn't even check the menu, right? Because I know what I'm going to get. And I just, I just walk up and I say, um, I, I need green chili double. And, and the poor, you know, 16-year-old working the counter just kind of looks at me. And she goes, the what? <laughs> and, you know, the, the green chili double. She said, sir, um, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so they, they had a jalapeno, but not, not a right. not green chili. Yeah. So there. Well, that, well, Dr. That, Grace, we don't you know. want to uh, ruin your theological uh, acumen or what, or whatever here with nothing but Whataburger top though, though I know you would probably enjoy it. I that. think that would be an hour. Weapon. Yeah. But uh, Kyle, <laughs> Kyle, you've been thinking all, all month during this quarantine, uh, all month to come up with the perfect uh, church history, Baptist history, theological history, whatever, to ask uh, Dr. Grace. And uh, so now is your time. The, the spotlight That's, is on you, Kyle. What this is my one shining moment. That's it. So uh, since, since Dr. Grace, you are the associate press 
professor of Baptist heritage. Um, I, I just want to know who is your favorite Baptist theologian and why? John the Baptist. Yeah, <laughs> totally. John the Baptist. We all come from him, you know. Um, <laughs> my favorite Baptist theologian and why? I think that think that there's some other Baptists that may not completely fit in the category of theologian in the sense of defining that as someone who's written a more holistic systematic theology. Uh, I have heroes like William Kithern, um, the 17th century particular Baptist who um, was involved with the first London Confession, the second London Confession, and just throughout the whole 16th century. And his whole life is just phenomenal, but he didn't make much. But he's an important leader, so he, he's kind of one of my heroes. And John Broadus is uh, another one. Um, just lo love reading all of his stuff and the importance he had for Southern Baptist life. Um, so those two um, are important to me as a theologian. I really like reading Thomas Grantham, in, in part because he's the first um, systematic theologian, the first Baptist to write a full systematic theology in my opinion and um and he has uh, some uh, some approaches to a larger sense of wanting to cooperate with those even outside of baptist life um he wasn't interested in creating a kind of a baptist kingdom kind of like the landmarkers were he, he saw that baptists were part of a larger uh, denomination um and, and wanted to work with the government but had his own particular ideas still argued strongly for Baptist distinctives. Um, so I, I like reading him in part because a lot of people don't read him, don't know a lot of his work. Uh, so I just find it really interesting. Many things he says I, just, I disagree with, but I, I find him interesting to study. Um, and of course, you could look at other theologians throughout the years and I have a tendency to like most of them. Yeah. Yeah, except that one guy, Kyle Beerman. Uh, I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> Listen, I have never once claimed to be a theologian. <laughs> hey, but I, I am claiming to be a doctor uh, because I got a, I got a letter from Southwestern uh, other day. Kyle knows this, uh, Dr. Grace. I don't know if you do. Uh, and I, I told Dr. Queen he's going to have to call me Dr. Hensley uh, in our next seminar together in May because I got a letter from Southwestern that was addressed to Dr. Matt S. Hensley. In 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 Rebecca Esquire, yes, they, they said, <laughs> and, and and so I, I'm I'm claiming it. I mean, in this day, I mean, I'm claiming it. I've got the piece of paper. It it might not be as big as a diploma, but I'm I'm totally going to put it in my uh, Southwestern diploma until I get one. <laughs> and so, but no, uh, Doctor. Dr. Grace, as we begin to wind down, uh, what's what's just a word of encouragement that you would share to to pastors, worship pastors, uh, those that will be tuning in uh, during these days? Yeah, uh, th these are hard times for all of us, and I have to say I'm greatly encouraged by what I'm seeing across um, the convention and, and and outside the convention of how churches are just trying to be creative. Um, there are definitely a lot of conversations about, you know, ecclesiology and, and virtual engagements. Um, and, and I don't know if all of us have all the right answers for this because it's such a, a new day, but I appreciate the creativity that a lot of churches are going at to try and continue to do pastoral care, um, to try and continue to 
preach the gospel. Um, and we were talking about earlier just the, the ways in which that is challenging to deal with funerals during this time period. I've seen um, people do creative things with, with weddings in this time period. Uh, and you think this is not ideal, not ideal at all. The youth pastors out there that are uh, trying to encourage all their seniors that are graduating that this is not, they're missing out on prom, they're missing out on yeah. all those other activities. And it's just kind of, it's really a downer. Youth camps are being canceled left and right. And so all, all those things that were just, you know, year after year people have gotten used to, uh, they're trying to be creative with. Um, and with social media, working all that, um, I, I feel like my uh, my staff is working harder than ever um, to, to figure out how to do things. They're on social media constantly. I'll call them up. They've already had eight Zoom meetings by eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> trying to, to, to touch base with people. Um, our church, one of the things we did that I thought was really interesting, I'm part of the, um, the lay leadership there, and all of us, we split up. Um, the members of our church that are over 75, we're just kind of calling them weekly. Um, but the church went and bought a yard sign that says, you know, First Burleson loves you. That's where I go to church, First Baptist Burleson. And just we, we went around to all of our people and put it in their front yard so that even though they can't leave the house, they look out the window and they can see, hey, um, there's a remembrance of my church, even though I'm apart from them right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and remembers that they love me, that they're calling and checking on me. And that's just one of the many creative things that are happening. And I like looking on social media and, see, and seeing what everyone's doing. So that's a neat idea. That's a neat idea. And of course, you run across those theological arguments like we shouldn't do this. And, and I think those are good too. Let, let's robustly engage in theological dialogue about things like, are we actually calling what we do worship uh, or church service? And I think those are good questions. And I'm, I'm not even thrilled on all the answers to that. Yeah. You know, how do you think about virtual baptism yeah. or virtual Lord's Supper? But I, I, I like the conversations because that's what theology does. It looks at the environment that we're in and the questions that our environment raises and tries to look at the Bible and see how do we go forward given our present circumstances. And I'm greatly encouraged by all the working pastors out there that are trying to continue the work uh, given this quarantine. So continue doing that. Um, there's a lot of people watching. And when we do all get back together again, I, I think we're going to be better for it and not worse. Yeah. And and that was something I've, I've shared a, a couple of times now is one, one of the things that this has revealed in me is, is that I had long thought that I was a preacher first and a pastor uh, second or maybe third or fourth or fifth that, that I really enjoyed the, the preaching. I, I enjoyed the study. I enjoyed all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so in terms of a day-to-day -day week, it really hasn't changed for, for that. You know, I continue to study, you know, I, obviously I'm here, uh, but I make the calls instead of the visits, you know, and stuff like that. But, but what it's taught me in not being able to gather corporately, you know, we're, we're having the drive-in service. So it's, it's kind of a in-between but still being unable, unable to, to hug, to handshake, all of that kind of stuff has taught me that I, I am far more of a pastor than I thought I was. And I'm not saying that in a good way. I just, I didn't realize how much I truly was going to miss that until it was taken away. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm counting down the, the minutes until we're back into church and, uh, and with our, our people and, and singing together. And, and our, our hope is whatever indefinite time that is or, or whatever to be determined time that is, and we're going to have a whole day of it. You know, we're probably going to eat, we're going to fellowship, 
we're going to come back together uh, and uh, and worship uh, very very uh, lovingly and excitedly. I believe in our case because it's kind of taken that from us for for a while. Hey, Kyle. Good morning. Howdy. How are you? You know what's great. You know what's great about this morning. Uh, you get to see me. I mean, that's that's obvious. <laughs> well. Yes, but it's also Thursday, oh, and we don't record these things on Friday. Uh, so no. that means I don't you get have to, to see your face in. tomorrow morning. Yeah, you get yes, to sleep in. I get to sleep in tomorrow morning. You get to hear my voice when, when you upload the, the podcast in a little bit. But but yeah, other than that, you'll, yeah, you'll, you're you going to live your best life Friday. <laughs> so uh, Kyle, Kyle, I have a question. Why are you wearing a crimson red uh, um, pajama top? No, it's not. It's not a pajama top. It's like a, it's like a dress down polo, although now it is basically a pajama top. But yeah, it's a not, pajama that top. That was not, it, that you, was not its. Did you notice that I'm not wearing my my orange yes, uh, I hoodie? I changed, and this one is also crimson. Um, yes. I wonder why that could be, Kyle. Do you have any idea? Uh, well, be, because we have a we have a special guest on today who, yeah. who is known for his love. <laughs> Yeah, he's not known paints. for for faithful exposition. He's not known for growing churches. He's not grown for growing a beard. That's for sure. Uh, he is known for his red skinny pants that he preaches in, and uh, and it's a joy to welcome Michael Kreiner. Wait, sorry, Doctor Michael Kreiner onto the show. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? Good morning, Kyle. I will not speak to Matt. But, uh, good morning. <laughs> I hope y'all are doing well. I, I want you to know I'm wearing purple today because of royalty. It's the only we can only wear purple on this side of heaven, so that's why I'm wearing that today. But I appreciate oh, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was do. that was deep and theological, kind of like five G, you know, dominating our minds or something like that. Thank oh, you. Although I, I will, I will, I will say I will defend Michael because I I have a a pair of red pants as well, and and they they're. They're fantastic. They're wonderful. I, I love them. I can't. It yeah, brings out my Andy Bernard, and which whom, whom I identify with. I think Andy Bernard is my spirit animal. So and, and I feel like I also am not allowed to to make fashion um, critiques because no. you know certainly with Advent and all of my Christmas suits, uh, but I also have that orange suit that I was saving really for opening day, uh, which. <laughs> Uh, I guess will happen within the next decade. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it can also be my Whataburger suit. Uh, but yeah, I probably shouldn't make fun of red pants. But Michael, the other day, uh, you you caused a headache for me. And in uh, one of the things that, that Dr. Kreiner has is the Reclaim the Morning devotional. Uh, each day, he offers a, uh, a scripture verse and a out-of-context devotional thought. I'm just kidding. <laughs> a devotional thought from that scripture passage and posted every morning at, at what I think it's like 5.15 uh, a.m., uh, if, if I remember correct. Yeah, that's when you're supposed to schedule one, uh, but this one showed up p.m. That happens to anybody that schedules posts. Uh, your your a.m. post for Reclaim the Morning showed up for Reclaim the Evening, and my wonderful uh, secretary, administrative assistant, person who keeps my head on straight, saw it. And this one said, based on Deuteronomy 1.6, sometimes you've stayed on the mountain long enough and God is sending you into a new country. And my secretary thought that was a subtle 
tent and I'm out of here. <laughs> so she blows up my Facebook messenger. Uh-huh. And I also found out she thought that page was mine. And so <laughs> that was, that was the, that, that was the key. It had nothing to do with you. It was just, she thought your devotional page was I'm mine. And I'm like, don't put that way. evil on me. But, uh, uh, so thanks, see, Dr. Kreiner. See, Matt, m- most of us don't think in terms of a literal mountain in which we live, right? So, mm-hmm. so those kind of things, those kind of metaphors, um, don't, don't get most of us into trouble it's that way. True. But I'm on that mountain, <laughs> and that mountain has very little Wi-Fi. And uh, I've, I've joked with people, all, all churches are going to, and this is totally a joke if you're listening from Mayhill. Any church, all they have to do to, to, to get me out, it's not offer me a lot of money, big house, any of that kind of stuff. It's just say, hey, we've got like 100 meg Wi-Fi, and I'm gone. <laughs> so, Doc, Dr. Kreiner, tell us what uh, Rock Rock Bridge, Rock Hill, Rock Mountain, Rock whatever, Fraggle Rock uh, Church that you, you pastor, uh, tell, tell us what y'all are doing during this COVID-19 time. Well, uh, thanks. It's Rock Hill. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, you know, I specifically wrote that right three in the morning thinking of you it was time to get off that mountain so i'm glad that you're announcing that today <laughs> yes the, the altitude's getting to matt's head it's time for him to come back down my head was gone long level. before i lost <laughs> oxygen <laughs> so, uh, so during this season you know we try to keep things as normal as possible for as long as possible uh but pretty quickly uh we were asked by our city to to no longer gather there were some in our in our city that, that still were, were doing all they could to, to gather, even drive in. Uh, there was uh, a couple of churches that were really uh, different denominations, some of our own denomination that we share, but they were going to do a drive in and the city even asked them, no pun intended, to steer away from that. And um, that was good. <laughs> that was good. Okay. <laughs> but literally, that's what the text said. Please, I'm, I'm asking you to steer away. And I just laughed and he's like, well, I'm like I just, I see that humorous. Okay. Anyway, uh, so we immediately uh, made the decision. I had a Monday afternoon meeting that Monday afternoon with our staff. I said, I I think we need to go straight to online. I don't think we're even going to be able to meet the logistics for us with our context, with our amount of uh, people. It it just would have been way too complicated to get 50 in every room in every room it, it just would have been a nightmare and so uh driving wasn't an option for us uh for a number of reasons i'm glad it's an option for others so we've been done online uh for our weekend services but but honestly this season has really reminded us that uh the most important aspect of our ministry is not sunday although sunday is important but the most important is actually monday through saturday yeah and so it's refining us in that uh helping us learn some areas we just had some uh, we were engaging with people. It, it showed us the value of our groups, which some might call Sunday school. Uh, we have on-campus and off-campus groups that meet, and uh, our groups, our group leaders are some of the best in the nation. I mean, I, I take them over anybody else. Uh, they've just gone above and beyond to care for their groups, uh, make sure that they're checking in on them. Same with our deacons. Our deacons are, are checked on all of our widows and widowers. It's just been a really beautiful, beautiful season. So that's a little bit of what we're doing. Um, we've changed few things but uh that's that's where we've been cool and uh and so so you guys have do y'all have small groups in the church and out in the community or is it just uh just at the at the church 
Yeah, so we have uh, both both and. I mean, we have some that are on, on campus and some that meet like on Sunday nights. Yeah. Uh, a few of them meet my, through the week, but most of them meet on Sunday morning or on Sunday night. Cool. And, and, and Michael, you're still in your first year at Rock Hill. So, I mean, this was... Yeah, like eight months. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is quite the introduction to a community and, and a church and a staff and all that, right? So t- just tell us about those dynamics a little bit about how, you know, I mean, I don't know if you were still like kind of in an introductory series or, or whatever, but how, how did, has that dynamic worked? Well, I've always, and, and again, I don't have tons of experience of being a senior pastor, uh, I mean, but... I've observed that it takes some type of crisis for the man to become the senior pastor of a church or to become the pastor of a church. Sure, I had the title, but it creates, there's got to be some type of crisis. And that could come in a number of levels. I'm not encouraging crisis to happen for a church, but it could happen through a a major death in the church or a major tragedy within the church or a, a worldwide pandemic in the church. For us, what happens in that moment is that the pastor has this golden opportunity to exercise his God-given calling, exercise his God-given giftings, but also wisdom and leadership in making decisions that help him become trusted within the church. You know, there's some people that when you come in as a pastor, they're just not going to trust you because you're the pastor. There's some that are just going to trust you because you're the pastor, and there's some that are kind of 50-50. And I think everybody kind of falls in that, we don't really know this guy, what's he going to be like? And so in this moment, I really, um, I really believe that God has allowed us uh, to exercise leadership in this season to help demonstrate who we are, who God has called us to be, how he has uniquely called us to this time and this place. And uh, that's kind of what I've seen in these first eight months. Yeah, it's not ideal. I, w- I would have rather had decades of experience with these people to know how to check on them, but but really, uh, I think the Holy Spirit is using using this in our time uh, for my wife and myself to really establish our leadership here at Rock Hill. And and you you touched on something that this this really can can kind of make or or break or really reveal uh, the leadership or the lack of leadership that a that a pastor has during this time. Uh, and and not to put a whole lot of weight on it, but but it's true. I mean, they're going to everybody. Their, their jobs may be out or, you know, they've got kids at home. They're, they're looking for kind of a steadying, calm, reassuring uh, leadership. And, and we're also at a time where I think the three of us are all uh, congregational. I mean, we're, we're Southern Baptist. And so this is a time, too, where it might be a little more difficult to make decisions collectively or corporately as a, as a church. Uh, and so this is a chance for, for pastors to get buy-in kind of passively, you know, or, or really still actively, but going out one, one by one, making those calls. And, and that really helped me connect with, with the deacons. Um, and I have some great deacons here at, uh, at Mayhill uh, that support, that help, all, all of that. But, but just walking through some of our options with them, uh, it was like, well, I thought our only option was just not to meet. And that was, that was the, the common thread from all of them. And, and to see that they had these options, you know, we could break it up into <laughs> 10, uh, 10, 10 member services <laughs> or two 50 member services for a while. You know, we had that option on the table for about 24 hours uh, or drive in or just online, you know, things like that, that they just, they didn't think about or, or didn't have a, you know, even thoughts that we could do it. And so 
that, that really helped on, on my end, showing that leadership of thinking ahead, knowing that right now we could meet, you know, because early on it was 100. You know, y'all, y'all were immediately probably out uh, because you've got, I think, 1,240,000 or whatever at your church. Um, but, but we were still kind of within that 100-member, uh, you know, average attendance because this is our low, low season with winter. And, uh, but I'm, I'm already thinking ahead, you know, you, we've, we can see the writing on the wall here. We're, we're about to be locked down. <laughs> so we've got to kind of navigate some options between here and there. And, uh, and it costs a lot of sleepless nights and probably for a lot of pastors. Um, but this is a great chance to just steady the ship and, and just be that kind of beacon of, or not, not be the beacon of hope, but point them to the beacon of hope, Jesus Christ. And, uh, yes. so Michael, give us some final thoughts and, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, for the reality is the, the way I've tried to frame this with our team is, hey, the, the medium has changed, but the mission has not changed. We have the same mission we had before coronavirus. We have the same mission that God has given us to proclaim the good news of the gospel, share the good news of the gospel with your lost friends. That has not changed. In fact, it might even become a little bit easier to invite your friend to church because they don't actually have to leave their home to come and participate in what God is doing in the life of your, of your fellowship. So for us, that's kind of what we've tried to lean in on and, and really push forward. And um, that's kind of where we've been. The, 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 what has been so good about this season, I think for us, and I think for the church as a whole, is we've had to get way more creative than just what we've always done. And it's forced us out of that. You know, because sometimes you'll make a decision as a leader and people say, well, we've, we've never done that before. And now you can say, it's not a negative statement. You literally can say, we have never done this before, but we're trying it because we believe the mission still matters. And, and neither has anybody else, right? We're all learning, exactly. we're, we're all learning a, 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 as we go here, like flying by the seat of our pants. And <laughs> well, you know, Bart, Bart Barber, he, he was around during the Spanish flu. So he, he knows all oh, about gosh. it. But, uh, but yeah, Kyle, send us out. All right. Well, ladies and gents and all you cool cats and kittens until next time <laughs> may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare Gosh.